Hello and welcome to the Human and Machine podcast. This is Jakob Mankwart. And this is Leonard Smith, or Lenny, as everybody knows me. Let's, let's go with Lenny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my parents have blessed me with uh, Shane. A nice name, but a horrible name as well. Lenny, we love, we love your name and we love the work that you do. This is episode 31 of the Human and Machine podcast. Our track record is a little bit better than last year. This is our, our second recording or second episode for this year. Um, and it's it's April. That's that's fine. It's, it's better than last year. We're hoping to step up the frequency a little bit um, of our recordings. But welcome to episode 31. If you're not familiar with the Human and Machine podcast, uh, we talk about all things industrial automation, manufacturing, technology, making sense of it all. And we do that with conversation through conversation with change makers in our industry, um, people that are at the forefront, at the coalface, in the thick of things, um, so to speak, when it comes to anything manufacturing, mining, refining, um, anything where machine and humans meet, which is an interesting area nowadays. It's uh, it's become, uh, especially we're not going to talk about chat GPT. I think that's a, that's an episode, probably a complete episode on its own. Um, I also don't want to pretend that we know anything about that. I think we're all playing with it, trying to understand how to how to use it effectively as a tool. Um, and I think for, for our next episode, uh, our following episode, that's definitely something we want to get into as the next forefront of, of how we interact with technology. Um, if you missed last week's episode, episode 30, that was with Zutari, with um, Eni and Rian from Zutari. Um, a fascinating chat about the Renewables, renewables, definitely renewables, but also the impact of the impact of infrastructure um, and the positive impact of infrastructure, not through the obvious how to make infrastructure and build infrastructure that provides for people, but the the overall um, positive effects of of infrastructure uh, in the sense of community and economy. So that was a good chat. With Rihanna and Kenny, if you missed that last week, there was episode 30. Today's episode 31, I'm really excited about. We're doing something a little bit different. Um, if you've listened to um, our, our guests that we've had on the on the podcast for the, at least for the last number of episodes, um, it was very much partners in the space, um, other technology providers, uh, consultants. They we're excited today to be really getting down to the whole face level. Uh, which is our customers, our, our end users of the technology, uh, the people that have to make all of these beautiful systems and technologies and the relationships that we have, make all of that fit together. Um, so we're excited today to host Leon Potvitter. Leon, how are you doing? Hey, thank you, Jakob. Thank you, Lenny. So Leon is, the, is a engineering specialist at Ulitz Aluminium, or Uniman. Is Uniman, that's, that's correct, Leon? It's Uniman, yes. Okay, fantastic. And Leon has been, we've known Leon for, oh, we always give away our age. We've learned, known Leon. Oh, being, being episode 31, you've got someone that's only 31 years old. And yeah, Leon was 31 this week, I believe. Let's <laughs> 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 bet um, We've known Leon and uh, Leon's team at Uleman for, for a very, very long time, um, at least since the early um, noughties. Um, so Leon, we're chatting today um, about a number of things. Um, we 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 usually kick off with the challenges because that's what some of the frustration that um that all of us experience any day and there are certainly no shortage of challenges in our industry um at this minute some of them global some of them more local um but before we get into the meaty stuff if you can maybe tell us a little 
little bit more about you, your background, how you entered the the industry and where you started your career. Thanks, Haku. Yes. Um, so I'm a second second generation engineer, gentlemen. Um, followed my father's footsteps. Uh, I'm born and bred in Marisburg. Uh, went to school here um, and decided in a young, very, very young age that I would like to follow the electrical field. So for extra motorbike petrol money, I used to work for my um, brother Roy. He had an electrical company. And I think that's been good stead to get me an apprenticeship at Gentleman. Uh, I started there uh, in, in, in giving away my age, 1988. As most of us did in those years, uh, went to village service, came back. Um, I qualified. Um, I was very fortunate to uh, be kept on at Gentleman. And um, I started my, my career on a, on a cold mill, S4 cold mill. It's the oldest cold mill we have here. And um, just been on the cold mill for about a year, and then we had some obsolescence issues on, on the HMIs. And, uh, I uh, took on a challenge, and then we were given uh, a mandate that we can't stop the machine, and we'd upgrade that, and, and we did that. And that's where I got my foot into, in, into automation. I was very lucky. Um, I then worked myself up. I became a process tech, um, and we uh, we did a lot of these little obsolescence projects. I uh, then left the company in 2004, uh, furthered my studies. I came back as a consultant in 2006, um, and the company was a very, Gilliman's a very nice company to work for. They, you know, if they, if they see that you excel in something, they try and retain. And I'd, I'd did project management for them up until around 2013. And they asked me to uh, join the company on a, on a permanent basis. Um, I was given a bit of a scope of what they'd expect me to do in the company. And we um, we we started to form this little central services team. Hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, from there we grew. Uh, I think we'll get into what the team does a bit later. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, very very often in our industry, or it's probably not pertaining specifically or solely to our industry, but there's a there's a saying. Um, as much as things change, they remain the same. Um, and you've been you've been fortunate, I think. I think today you are fortunate if you have the the ability and the um, and the choice um, uh, to be with a business for for one business for as long as you have, or at least within the environment of one business for as long as you have. It's become fairly common for us to see people that have been with you know, especially young engineers. They've over the span of about six years, they've been with maybe three or four companies and you know there is an element of chasing the every time you join a new company you join at a at a premium essentially but we you know between us which is you know we're probably a little bit more old school we we sort of always question the learning um that you do whether it's the same kind of learning um and uh probably the 
the resilience, whether you, you, you form any kind of resilience, if you, if you join, you know, different companies at, um, at a frequency of annually or maybe every two years. So from your point of view, you've pretty much spent your entire career at one business. I have, and I've done different things in, in the business, which I've, I've been very fortunate. Um, you know, so pretty much taking, taking the bull by its horns when the opportunities arise, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's been, it's, it's, it's been exciting and, you know, gradually we're all getting going. And I think this is the time and the age that you actually want to be in the business. There's so many exciting things happening. And I, I look at it with my, with my team members that I have there. Oh, I wish I was 20 years younger, you know, they just don't know what they had or what they're getting themselves into. It's, it's ever changing. It's fantastic. So it is fascinating. I think we're going to chat about technology in a second. I mean, the availability to to technology that is that is just so vastly different from the tech that we had many many years ago. Um, it is an exciting time with the availability of technology, and I, I suppose it becomes a case: of how do we how do we harness it, and and how do we and do we have the will and and the attitude um, and the the will, the want to to harness the new technology that's available. So Uleman, just a quick introduction to Uleman. I experienced with Uleman over over again over many years. Good business, um, a lot of local initiatives around community. Um, probably probably challenged in many ways by some some external or, or outside of South Africa um, uh, forces, but still a very fortunate position for for them to be in Uleman as a business. Yes, so you know Uleman. Gentleman has been around for, for quite a long time and it's, it's changed its name a few times. It, you know, it was registered in, in the, I think it was in 1935, late 1930, as Um And uh, we went through a, 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 growth, a growth phase. Um, I think it was just after the war, they decided that, you know, there was a need for, for, for metal, for aluminium. And they, decided to build a manufacturing plant in Marisburg of all places. Um, if you think about it, we're not ideally suited, but we, uh, we, 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 we make it happen. You know what I'm saying? Don't know what went through the people's, through the, the manager's minds those days, but, um, yeah, we've, we've grown through the 60s and 80s, you know, um, we then, if we were, we, we were registered on, on the stock exchange. In, in 1969, around about there, um, we then were bought out by the Hewlett, Hewlett Corporation, uh, which is the sugar. And our name was then changed to Hewlett's Aluminium. Mm. And then Tonga, the Tonga Group bought us out after that, and then we became Hewlett's Aluminium, or Hewlett Aluminium, to put it that way. Mm. And, uh, and, and then in the 90s, we decided no, in a gone out and uh, we became human so uh yes it's it's been a transition um as i said i'm a second generation engineer my my, my father actually joined uh, in, in in the in the 60s so um it was fantastic to see him go through it and and, and me follow on unfortunately he was a mechanical and so uh, <laughs> uh yeah uh, you know the mechanics. We've always got this joke with the mechanical engineers. We were mechanical engineers first, then then, then we got to electrical <laughs> <the> automation. 
there's a couple of there's a couple of recent um sort of jests i suppose or, or jokes around industrial engineers as well that that's been going around yeah they're not, they're not really yeah well, that's i mean that's that's <laughs> right when, 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 are you, when are you studying towards becoming a real engineer but uh you know, the field has become very different and it's been interesting just to sort of pivot off the business it's been interesting to sort of see the introduction of various fields of study in in tertiary tuition you know things like uh data engineering and data science um has has been introduced in a in a couple of different fields um certainly a lot more than than it used to be in the past and i think that it does focus a little bit of the it does focus the shift onto what we're experiencing practically on the ground is the is the need for making sense of data so that's been quite interesting speaking with young engineers to hear about that being introduced in the in the tuition yeah um which is definitely interesting but cool so so one of the reasons we 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 said we would love to speak with you is we spent a bit of time with you on site with your your team and there's a couple of things that were was very evident to us i think dealing with your team which is what which was obviously business related through some of the technology that you you're you deploying at the moment but spending time with your team there was at least to us there was a very evident uh, a lot of evidence around attitude and innovation um and a sense of team which which was certainly first of all it's a compliment um it was definitely a lot more evident with you than some other teams that we've interacted with over the last little while, there was a, there was an excitement, there was um, ownership, um, and there was forward thinking. Um, and we thought, cool, we we've got to speak with Leon. We we have to speak with Leon and understand, you know, what what are you doing different? Um, you know, the the second part of that is obviously some of the leadership that you've had with that team. That kind of culture doesn't just exist one day it, it comes through through years of cultivating and and showing the example so that, that was the one thing we wanted to chat about and and we'll get to that in the second and maybe we'll kick off with the second was around you know we spoke typical visit nowadays the first thing that you hear when you start speaking with people you hear about economy you hear about supply chain disruptions and then probably again to some of our international listeners by now i think if you've listened to a couple of episodes you you would know what load shedding is um we we spent a fair amount of time speaking about load shedding and we thought you know you have some views on that and like most other businesses you've had to pivot and you've had to learn how to deal with some of those disruptions um economy is is macro there's typically not too much that we can do um reacting to the economy we can just understand how we do things more efficiently and more and incre- increase productivity um supply chain maybe there's a little bit outside of our control of that and then the third one load shedding but if, if you can maybe share some of the things that we spoke about and how how you and your teams have have approached the some of those challenges yes yeah so first yeah i think i've you've probably heard me say this many times i have the best job in the world um, and I mean that truly and every day I, I remind myself and my team. Uh, so we, we are, we are a young team. Um, I was fortunate to, um, handpick each one of the guys in my team. And if we, uh, 
you know, we all face challenges and I think it's your, your attitude towards the challenge, but let's get, let, let's, let's deal with a load shedding, you know, and, um, I think that's, that's a big talking point for us. We are, we are fortunate that we don't get load shedding, but we get load curtailment. <laughs> so, uh, we have to curtail, meaning that we have to make up electricity usage that we are going to use and we've got a monthly, we've got to, um, capture that and we've got to stand by it and we have to report on it and, and, and send that through to, to ESCO to make sure that, uh, that we are curtailing. Hmm. So unfortunately we have to start up some generators, you know, we've got three, uh, what generators that we start up and, uh, you know, the cost of diesel. And then we have to shut down some of our plants, you know, so the, the heavy users like the, uh, the furnaces. <clears throat> We'll have to shut down, and and that's how we manage our our load curtailment. Nevertheless, it has a big impact on our production. Um, uh, you know, it is a, it, it is it is very difficult to manage when at opportunity often you get a message saying you've got to curtail ten percent or twenty percent of your load, and then all of a sudden you've got to decide which machine you're going to stop. Stop. So, um, we have a a a, 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 a manager that does that. Hendrik de Villiers, and he does a, a fantastic job at, at managing that. And then, you know, he'd send it up on the group and tell us which machines are going to go off and he'd ask us when you want to set your generators on. So so that's how, basi- how we basically manage that, that, that part of it. Um, su- supply, you, we, we, we're lucky enough to get our, um, we get some of our material from uh, RBC, uh, Richard Bay Cast House. Um, which is which is not another another one of our departments in Bay, and they sort of buy the we get the the molten metal hot metal from um, South Thirty Two, and, and then we just cast. So we we can't switch off our, our furnaces otherwise they are set. Um, but we would go into a low temperature or whatever it is. But it, it does impact us, you know, like any other business. And I, I really think Uniman is doing a, a fantastic job at managing at the moment. Yeah, uh, it's interesting when you when you start hearing that businesses are um, dedicating people and roles. I just wanted to ask: Is that a, a brand new position that that the uncle according to containment officer, containment officer, was employed? Was it just something somebody kind of inherited and said, "Hey, I'm, I'll stick up." I'll be as a full time job. It probably is a full time job. No, no. So, so, so Hendrik is uh, is he's is that he's actually uh, the the manager of he's my boss put it this way so yeah he's, he's manager of engineering and he's just moved into a new role which is sustainability manager but while he was in an engineering manager job this just sort of just fell in his lap and all of a sudden it was calling on central to say hey guys i need data to make decisions you know we need power meters and we need information um and i need to put this into a uh, we need to get this into our historian, and I need to build BI reports, BI, uh, BI dashboards. And so we've really come a long way, um, and and that's how you manage it. You know, uh, we can when we, when we put a uh, when we start curtailing and ask plants to switch off, we can actually see exactly how much that plant is drawing. And often we'd get the message and saying, "Hey guys, I know you switch your plant off, but you're still drawing 300 kilowatts. What's happening?" 
forgot his, he, he left the pump the guys will dead react so um yes it's a it, it is a full-time job but he has he has another job he has he has he has, he has a bigger role to play in Uniman, just looking after that this will be i love what you said about i need data if if anything through yes. loach the, the ability to you know and maybe it was forced i think for a lot of people it was forced to understand you know where we're using energy energy is a very straightforward and, and obvious one utilities where, where are we using it what is using uh what percentage where can we share goethe um uh, load shed internally where, where do we do that and we can't do that without data so you know the ability to put down a device to measure to understand where that is going through and but according to that data geez, that since since the introduction of load shedding that's been forced on a lot of businesses um yeah i could just give you an, an idea sorry Alini, is we 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 have over 350 power meters on our plot wow okay and that's just power meter and then we then that's without us measuring our gas consumption our our, our biggest consumption of electricity is is uh, compressed air as you know so uh we're measuring that and in the last five years uh, that's been made mainly our projects is and is, is, is monitoring water electricity mm. gas compressed air so it's exciting it's, you know people think that's boring stuff it's not guys it's, it's really really exciting if you can't measure you can't see it you know uh you, you, you can't manage it yeah and 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 leon i mean fair and well you've got 350 energy meters um as you as you explained someone needs to make the decision what part of the plant needs to needs to get switched off i mean obviously there's a, a different level of of information or data that's required that could be you know from from the supply chain side orders in hand you know what what do I need to get out? When do I need to get out? So you can actually make that decision. Okay, you need on view, on view to actually make the right decision to say, okay, this part of the plant I can actually swing mm -hmm. off. And very, it feels like very few companies are in a position where they have one view. View of, of yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if you. Um, I, I remember when we were there. Um, there was one of the things you were looking at was, and I, and I mean, it's a simple example, but the ability to light bulbs and the and the very simple energy uh, kind of uses like that around your facilities is to to get a view of that to bring that in maybe have some kind of iot switching on off smart capability around lighting you know that's that that's I, I heard you you guys speaking about that uh, and the ability to bring in which has historically been iot devices the ability to bring that into your view, into your office, onto the dashboards that you that you have in your office that historically has been measuring the OT side of your business. Um, you're right. That is exciting because that is something new to a lot of engineers that they wouldn't have done at least not five years or 10 years ago. Yeah, you know, that, that came about, um, it, it was very hasty. And we were sort of looking at, you know, when you work for a, a corporate company, Everything takes time. <laughs> and this type of work needs to be written. Is you know everybody has to have the input. And um, I started this little project at home with little sort of devices. And uh, I don't know if you guys know the sort of devices, but uh, 
Love I'm you. very fortunate. I've got a smart home and I've built up a smart home through this. And uh, I came to, uh, I proposed this to my boss and said, hey, look, listen, this is what I've done at home. Maybe we could do this and start a pilot project, you know, um, here in our office. And he agreed. So got some of these little sonoff devices. And, you know, we take off the uh, the proprietary software and call it desmatize it. Um, so all the information stays within within the the the, 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 the company on limits, put it that way. And we started, yeah. So in in our in our um, office block here, we switch off all the air conditioners at a certain time. Um, and we should switch one in the mornings at a certain time. So we've got uh, we've got our lights that uh, come off. That's all on sensors on and off. So we're doing that a little bit, yeah. And we want to roll it out to the rest of the block. The problem is that we've got so many other projects that are probably more important than this. So this is our little hobby technology hobby within our department that we we get to work on every now and then. You know. Yeah, I love it that you that you at least have the option to do that yeah, freedom. You know, you mentioned the only mentioned of uh, a corporate business, and I think very often with a corporate business, it's almost the not the culture, and 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 I, I can't imagine that it would be purpose purposely done or knowingly done. But very often, what happens with a corporate is almost the um, the sort of diminishing of or, or the or removing innovation because anything that is innovates that moves quickly is often not easy to control. Um, and uh, you know a lot of a lot of corporate environments, innovation and the ability to give teams the freedom to do stuff like that is is usually not given or encouraged. So the the fact that you you can do that within your business is it is it's exciting. It's new. It's different. You know, it's connecting little switches and things and devices into a central system, and it's also a good distraction sometimes from 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 other things. But yes, there's there's always a couple of projects happening at the same time. So, so which one is more important? You know, it's <laughs> and you know when you start. So I cannot remember the last the, the, the last time I actually had to flash because that's what you basically do. You flash. I don't know if, if you come from a electric background, you know what flashing is. Yeah. Remember flashing the old house, and that's basically what you're doing. You show this to the new young engineers, and the guys like, oh, what is this one that buttons? Well, you know, this is how you should do it. Solder the wires together, flash the software on, and there you go. Um, and yeah, it gives a bit of it gives us a bit of perspective of, of of what we did those days and and what you can can achieve now. Hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, you know you saw our, our setup. You know we've got the, the two big screens. I think we've got about eight, twelve screens that that we look off the plant, and and one is dedicated. Beauty just for our hair system, which is which controls the lights and the and the air conditions, air conditions mm. in our space. Mm, definitely, now it's a very cool setup. That um, it's it it it's a control room. I mean, it's just literally dashboards and screens all over the place. And I think we were we were going through some of those dashboards when we spoke about technology, and we spoke about a couple of things came up. Um, how the impact of technology has changed <clears throat> and sorry how, how the impact of technology has varied over the last little while we spoke about the cost of technology and how to how to maintain the technology with certain cost constraints and then we spoke a little bit about scalability um 
you know, the ability to add things to an existing system, to introduce things to an, an existing system at uh, at a lower cost, well, not necessarily, but in occurring more cost by introducing new things, um, and how to keep all of that within a, an annual budget. Um, so th that was an interesting discussion, and I think the challenges that you have are very similar to the challenges that other people are having. Um, you know, is is hard to how to keep the business resilient and sustain what you have, um, and know what that cost is going to be annually. And if you want to add something, having the ability to add something, um, and if you want to introduce a piece of technology, to know how much it's going to cost and what it's going to continue costing you over the next little while. I think that that kind of channels is something we spoke about. Yeah, and I, what we've seen in in, in different corporate environments as well for, for some of these, it's it's just a tick box to say that they've done the investigation. That's, that was their KPI for the, uh, I've got this IoT project, I investigated it, I, I looked at the random sense, and at the end of the day, it's, oh, yeah, you did your job, you ticked it. But you actually have the freedom to, then after that, mm. actually introduce the tick. I think, I think there's a, a huge gap in that space as well. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that you or your manager, Leon, at the, with the capability to say, yeah, this is something, let's do it. Mm. Um, I mean, a son of switch, if you think about it, you're 100% correct. It's a home It's a home device, right? It's It's got nothing to do with really industrial automation on that type of sense of scale. But for him to to realize, hey, for BMS or for building management, this is great. Man, that was that was really awesome. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to work with somebody that, uh, that also loves technology, you know, um, I think in our space, and he's a mechanical engineer. He's a fantastic mechanic. <laughs> uh, and and he 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 he's a, he embraces technology and he's, he's always willing to to lend a keen ear and also advice. That also helps. You know, you have to work with like-minded people. I think that's that's why I say I have the best job in the world. You know. Yeah, and one of the things that you've done really well is we often see it with um, digital transformation. I think we speak about digital transformation in every episode. You often see with digital transformation, anything that involves a digital switch, uh, whether it's removing a paper trail or a whiteboard into a digital dashboard, anything, very often the scalability is the problem um, because of a couple of things. The first thing is access to data. To actually understand what we're doing, is it making a difference? And if we don't have the data available to understand if what we have implemented is making a difference, it's not going to move forward because we can't prove that we're actually getting the benefit from from what we're doing. Um, so that's the one thing that we, we, at least we typically hear from digital transformation projects. And the second one is now that we've implemented this, we understand the value, we want to go on a much larger scale within the business, <clears throat> there is something that is holding us back from actually scaling to the entire mm -hmm. business. Whether it is the cost of a license, whether it is the cost of a device. Um, so those are two of the things that we we typically find um, are big challenges for digital transformation. I think you were able to prove, and not only prove, but implement with both of those as, as return and not just challenges. And the fact that you're closing the loop, I think that for me is a, the biggest one. We see a lot of, of these solutions where mm. we want a dashboard. Mm. Okay. In this case, like Leon said, if the pump keeps on running, 
his managers on him in, in five minutes. Mm. So closing the loop, and I, I think we've mentioned this example hundreds of times on this podcast. Uh, yeah, it's a classical one with the Samsung smart fridge. Yes. When the smart fridge is IoT enabled, it will let you know that the fridge is open. And how many times it's been. And how many times it's been over, how long it's been. And this one guy replied on the on the tweet. I think it was on Twitter. It was a it was a on LinkedIn icon. Tweet from a couple of years yeah. ago by saying. And then the guy just said, Well, if it's that smart, why doesn't it just close the door? <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it's the it's the actionability. Yes. They, I think that's the nice word. It's yeah. it's great to get access to data. It's amazing to get insights and dashboards and things that you haven't had before. But if there's no actionability, that, that follows the insight that you're getting, then it's a little bit pointless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to follow up on that uh, to give you a bigger, big, bigger picture. So, so we are central, central here. You know, we've we've learned through the years, um, basically what works and what doesn't work. You know, you, there'll be a, an upgrade of product that I would buy a valve, for instance. You know, um, that was in the past, and then they'll tell us they want information on the valve, and the, the the salesperson has sold in this particular valve and said, no, you can get the data. I need to find out that it's actually, you can't get the data. So as a central department, we actually start, start, started setting standards and said, listen, guys, if, actually, if you've got a particular valve, we want mod bus on that, on that valve. Otherwise, we're not interested. You're not going to order that valve. You know, um, if you're giving us a 4 to 20 minute signal, just, you know, we want an intelligence signal. We don't just want to, we, we, we want to get more information at, at that valve. So that should become our standard at Human, saying if you're doing a project, if you're doing adding anything else, our capex process when it comes to it comes to various managers and lads on my desk, and and one of my responsibilities to see what equipment is the guy buying, can we interface with this equipment? Um, we're talking about all this data, you know. Data goes into it, it goes into a historian. We have two or three of these, and no one knows how to access this data. So with having a central department now, we are sort of cleaning all this data. We're cleaning up these pathways. You know, so from multiple um, dirt roads, we, we're creating one single highway, if I can put it that way. That's a good knowledge. Um, and, and that is exciting in itself because you will be surprised how much instrumentation is out there that you don't even know. <laughs> you mm. didn't know of before. Mm. So... It's just coming back to your back, back, back to your your original discussion. Definitely, data silos. I think I think data silos is the is the enemy of uh, is the is the enemy of transformation. And and two things that you mentioned, which is super critical to get that one view. The first thing is open protocols, open standards. Modbus OPC um, ability to connect to SQL databases. Um, I think the days of a specific piece of equipment or technology, almost. Almost uh, not by design, but through design, capturing data and and almost holding it hostage and your ability to get access to the data. I, th- I think those days are. Uh, it feels like those days are limited, um, and I think people that still design with that in mind, um, it certainly won't be sustainable sustainable for them or their solution. Um, I think it's based on the ability to easily and quickly get data. Um, and we do that by open uh, protocols and systems, something like Modbus, for example, that's, that's become a, a stronghold in many industries. Perhaps to get that data. Okay. Um, mm, sorry, Denny. 
and and maybe I think we Leon mentioned it. It's not just on the instrumentation layer that we need to think about this. Um, again, a lot of education and a lot of of ways of now that the data is in these historians, mm. how to access it, how to get it out. Mm. Uh, you mentioned uh, Leon that people don't even know the data is in there. They don't even know how to get it. I think in the past as well, it's been a bit difficult to get data potentially out of out of the historians. Uh, but again, mm. on on sets of open standards, SQL, etc., mm. um, it should be it should be very easy these days mm. to get access to your data. And modeling modeling of the data is something where there's a lot of focus at the moment. You know, and how do we model the data? And that, where do we do it? And that's exactly what the central team has done here. So they they're busy with that clean cleansing exercise, mm. getting everything in the one place so that people can access mm. it and get it from one place. I mean, we've said it so many times. Modeling sounds like a very <laughs> a very serious task, but something as simple as a range on a tag or engineering unit can make a massive difference on how people interpret that data and what the data actually means. Mm-hmm. The modeling can be as simple as that. Just make sure that the tags are correctly ranged, scaled, mm-hmm. a proper unit of measures. Well, you can't do that. You can't standardize data if you if you don't do that. 100%. No. You know, there any, um, no, I've brought, hmm, sorry. Yeah, just I, I love talking about data. We so I'm I'm quite fortunate because I love to you my own industrial. <laughs> my, own, uh, my own industrial RTT, you know, so industrial RTT. I don't know how many companies have an industrial RTT, and then we have our commercial RTTs, and we work very well together. So, you know, what is what is what makes a good industrial RT guys is is. One of mine didn't he's, he's got an instrumentation background. So although he's a system engineer and he's in his quantified reality, he did his check. So he knows exactly when we start talking about devices in the field. You know, you don't have that separation uh, speaking to a commercial IT guy that, that doesn't know what's 4 to 20 millions, doesn't know, don't know the data. So we're very fortunate to have both just uh, put this team together. Mm-hmm. You know, we work closely with, with 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 the with the commercial IT. As in, funny enough, I just had a, a meeting this morning um, with the commercial IT manager, and we were talking about this data and artificial intelligence that we want to apply and and how we're going to apply it. And you know, data scientists because we have this data, but you know, it's no use employing a data scientist if he doesn't know your process. Could be. But he, he needs to understand the process. He needs to understand how the machine works. Otherwise, the date the date that is going to be time to you know, is going to be interpreting or, or pulling through, it's just going to be data, you know, and and also the IDR models. I mean, you know, that's that's necessary. We like I said, we we are living in fantastic times. <laughs> There's so many opportunities out there. It's such a unique exciting. Okay, when you you spoke about when you showed your engineers flashing a, a you know flashing an EEPROM with the, probably an FETL from your from your yes. laptop. They were kind of shocked. Now think about getting a process guy that knows a little bit of programming and understands data and data science. I mean, it's it's almost like a unicorn that you're looking for in, and and that's the type of person that we, when we look for someone to employ, that's that's what mm-hmm. we look for. We look for this process guy that understands process, can do coding, and understand data science. It's a it's a it's yeah. a very good opportunity for someone to get into that into that space. Yeah, or, or if you have that within your team, if, if, if I, I think for you know people out there that are trying to understand what is 
what does the the ideal team look like? Um, what is that team made made out of? If if you can maybe at least in our opinions, you your team uh, the interaction we've had with your team it seems like the ideal team um, in the sense of capability, skills, and experience. So so Stian is 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 your instrumentation or your historic your instrumentation guy? Uh, so so, so Stian is my is head of my industrial IT team. Um, but he, he had done it. Uh, he had done his apprenticeship. Uh, I can't remember where I think someone's left me in Newcastle. Um, but when I started this, this the, I'd worked in projects and, and I'd seen him in projects. And when I started this department, um, he had left Kinderman. And one of my requirements was, I want him. You know, uh, okay. This is the guy that we want. And I was lucky enough to get him. So how my, how my team is made up is I have the industrial IT guys. It's four of them. And then I have uh, automation techs, uh, technician, um, and Nikita. She's 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 unfortunately on maternity. A fantastic individual, also very very keen. Um, I had two drives guys. Uh, one is a specialist, Carl, and he's he just homes in on on drives. You know he can he'll fix it down to component level. Bonello uh, is is more of a generalist, and he's he sort of does a bit of the automation. Okay, also more focusing on, on, on drafts. But um, when I see potential somebody and or if I see somebody's taking interest, uh, especially now that we, we, we can talk about ignition that we are running out, guys are showing you interest on that. Guys, you know, I'll, I'll push in. Put your hand up and, and, and I'll help you along. Um, we can talk about Aldous who's just taken this ignition by the horns and then he's done some stuff, amazing stuff out there and uh to get the guys interested i i started gamifying this whole you know i think that, that if you talk about challenges in 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 in, in, a, in a corporate business or in manufacturing hey guys you know i've got this new new piece of equipment or, or piece of software i think it's a good thing but what do you think and the guys oh, it's just too much work my guys embrace it. the only way you embrace it hey guys let's gamify it you know let's see you can do the best little project and um and we reward the guys. So so that's how that's how I keep my guys interested, you know. And they keep me on my toes because uh hey, you you know, you can't just sit in the office and do nothing. You need to you need to get on this as well. So that's how we uh that's how we function, you know. And we feed off each other. We really, really have to feed off each other. Yeah. Um, I think that the f- I almost want to call it fun, having fun. Uh yes. and uh Absolutely, we we felt that when you know interacting with your team, and it's especially around young people and young talent. You know, talent is or, or resource availability or scarcity or whatever you want to refer to it. I think everyone's looking for experienced people, um, and the challenge is experienced people and experienced resources. But the the bigger responsibility is to help help learning of people. You know, if if nobody is going to have an environment where innovation and learning is encouraged and almost not only encouraged, but almost it's, it's a given that you will innovate and learn. Where do we, ex- where, do we where do we expect that learning to happen? If, if, if we don't do it, we all want to learn skilled and, and experienced people. But if, if we don't create the environments for that learning to happen, where are those people going to come from? Um, and very often fun, have, um, fun is such an important aspect of of learning and sharing as a team you know if you're not going to have fun then then it, 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 it's not fun if you don't have fun and you're certainly not going to learn as much um 
So well, well done. I asked my team, I asked my team to dedicate at least two hours a week just on doing something, learning something new. You book those two hours out and you sit in front of your computer and there's so much new learning that can happen, YouTube videos you can watch. So I think that also it's also encouraging encouragement, you know, for them to to grow within their own space as well as also see what what's out there. You know, guys bring me ideas all the time, which is great. Yeah, definitely. I think somebody like Elvis has done done that exactly. You know, he's taken the um if you mentioned location, uh, he, he's taken the ability to, to create any kind of application and um it's given uh, good ideas or direction for the kind of things that you can do that you didn't maybe think about in the past and including different aspects outside of just the, the control of a machine or a piece of machinery um, and understanding what else can we do with this technology. Um, so he's done an incredible job job with that, Alvis. And he definitely won the competition. He definitely won the competition. So well done to <laughs> Um, Leon, are, you, are there any projects or things that you're doing at the moment that you're excited about or your team is excited about, things that you're getting involved in, uh, upgrades, switching over, anything that you're looking forward to over the next couple of months in the short term? Yes. Um, so so we, we've moved from more of a service department to, an, to a project department. Uh, we're upgrading our, on, on next month, we're upgrading a slitter. Uh, so it's a complete... Uh, from from the HMI drives PLCs, it's an OEM up, OEM upgrade. Um, that is that's happening, and then uh, we've got a machine set and stopper that we're busy um, also upgrading. That should be ready towards the end of the year. And then I have, you know, um, our plant was upgraded and we did a big expansion in, in the two thousands, early early late late nineties early two thousand. So generally our equipment, um, uh, our drives equipment is of the same age. And unfortunately, uh, they sort of went into, you know, the classic obsolescence fades at the same time and that's in the obsolescence and, and you can't get spares. So, you know, through the vision of, of, of our CEO and I think our executives, they've realized this and they've given us the opportunity to, to sort of upgrade this equipment and we've got a 10 year plan. So for the next for the next five to seven years, at least, you know, our, our, our capex is on the hopper. So we're going to be, be busy upgrading and it's going to be fantastic. You know, new equipment on site, new learnings. So, um, yes, uh, we, we are flattered as projects at the moment. You know, I'm going to have to grow my team a little bit. I've got another project engineer that's going to come on board. So it's exciting times for us at Uniman. You know, watch the space. Um, Uniman is great places. It's a good company, and uh, yeah, no. Next visit, you'll you'll see some some more stuff on site. We're looking forward to it. You you mentioned uh, artificial intelligence, and I think the uh, maybe that's a that's a topic for another discussion. You know, we the just throwing um, AI or machine learning, for example, as a subset of AI. You know, let's do some of that. It'll give us insights. Um, it doesn't feel, or at least um, what we've what we've seen is that the approach of that is not as simple as just throwing something towards machine learning or you know some kind of a hyperscaler uh, AI technology. There's there's a bit of a process to go through before you can do that before it becomes valuable. Um, so that that's going to be an exciting one as well. And that 
And that's where I think think that you guys are doing it right. I, I like the whole notion of an industrial IT guy. I love that. Yeah. Industrial yeah. IT. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And and obviously, you know, those folks have to work very closely with the commercial IT people. Um, and it's it does make one team, one virtual team, it's one team. It has to be, you know. Um, but I love yeah. the focus on, on an industrial IT team. I think it's a great idea of doing that. Cool. So we're definitely going to watch the space, Leon. Um, thank you for chatting with us. So, so usually on on the episode, we it's something we introduced a little while ago. We'd love to understand what people read, what they watch, what they what they listen to. Is there a a book, a podcast, a website, um, uh, anything that you are reading, listening to, or watching that is worth sharing with our community? Um. Yes, so uh, I don't read much. I, I, I read a lot, but I don't read books. Not a, I'm, I'm not. I read engineering magazines. Put it that way. Love engineering magazines. I think you learn you learn a lot from that. Um, I love podcasts. So uh, I don't find a way to work. I, I do not listen to the news or do not listen to anything else. Um, I, I put I put in. I select a podcast and I listen to podcasts. Uh, whether it is. I think chat, as you as you said earlier, chat GTP is, is a big thing. I'm, I'm listening to the to the chat GTP, uh, uh podcast, which is very interesting. Um, and then you know, Twitter. You know, uh, I think Twitter is a is a good form of, of information. Um, you always have to. It, what I like about Twitter is it gives you your own expect, expectations, and you make up your own mind on things. You, know, um, you don't get uh, forced. And then. Jeez, I don't think anybody can go without music. So, uh, you know, my Apple music is running all the time. And, uh, I won't give away my playlist because it's going to give, give away my age. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think literally, <laughs> as long as there's some Jimi Hendrix and some Black Sabbath on that. Yeah, we're better. Metallica, Metallica, Metallica. Okay, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> awesome, Leo. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I love that. I think the you're 100% correct. There is so much um, risk of misinformation today in our world that um, it's super important for you to have your own opinion. Um, you know the 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 availability that we have to just different sources of anything information. It is very very important to have your own opinion about things. Um, uh, with with every everything is available to us today as a source of information or news. Um, but yeah, I've been enjoying um, a couple of conversations on uh, threads, at least, um, not only on Twitter, but also on LinkedIn. I also try and avoid the news, Lenny. There's nothing, especially especially the Sunday evening news that we get through a, through a magazine program that we watch on TV. This is depressing. <laughs> yeah, I um, maybe on the music topic, I I actually sure I actually travelled a bit back in time, so. Nothing to do with my age, I promise. But um, I'm back in the 50s and 60s technology when you talk about music. Uh, I am busy building some valve, some old tube valve technology preamps for me, for my system. So that's what I'm kind of too busy with. Uh, and it's it's quite amazing. Uh, all I can say is the guys knew what they did back in the 60s and 50s. Absolutely. The tubes. Quality is the quality is, is a different level altogether. So yeah, I'm stuck a little bit uh, back in in 1950s tube. I'm from the tube circuitry. This <laughs> but, but, 
Yeah, it's so darn busy. As long as we're doing something, creating something with our heads, it feels like it's something that's disappeared from our culture and our communities, the ability to create something with our heads. So um, that's cool. Nice, lady. Leon, thank you very much. Any any closing comments? Um, I, I would imagine we could share your contact details if anybody wants to get in touch and, and maybe have a question for you. Well, definitely. Um, you know, what, what we didn't touch for was a, was a community. And I think yes. that, that is a podcast on its own. You know, with manufacturing and, and we're all developing our own spaces, I think we, if, if different manufacturers could get together. Um, in the old days, we used to have like a sort of a community that the guys used to get together and, and share that's or a platform like this. I think it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. But um, closing statements. I just want to say thank you, Yaku. Thank you, Lenny. Cool. Really appreciate the uh, the invite. And um, yeah, good to chat you soon. Thank you very much. And I mean, that's that's what community is about. You know, we community is about giving. Um, and I think as soon as you start focus on just taking, that's where you lose the community. You know, we're all here to learn and share with others what we have learned. Um, and and that way the community will become stronger. So so thank you for the chat, Leon. We will um, we will be sure to share your contact details if anybody. I'm sure there's going to be somebody that has a, a comment or a, or a question. Well, thank you for your time and, and all the best for the next couple of weeks. Seven years of projects. <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks very much. Um, cool. So that was episode 31. I think for episode 32, we we definitely we. We are looking at a couple of, we're not the experts. Again, we often say that we're not, we're not the experts in many of these things. I'm not sure that anybody is an expert today in chat GPT and, and how we interface. I think there are a lot of people that are claiming to be experts, but we, we want to have a conversation with somebody who at least has been spending a lot of time with understanding how to utilize some of these new um, technologies as a tool. Um, it's been a lot of discussion. I, we, I, I personally don't believe it's going to replace people. I think it does have the ability to replace people that don't know how to use it mm-hmm. to harness something like ChatGPT. But it certainly becomes something that most of us are using every day. So I think for for the upcoming episode, we want to line up some people to to share some of their learnings around ChatGPT and especially in our world, industrial world of coding and developing things. Um, so that's something we're going to cover in the next episode or next couple of episodes. Lenny, cool. on the flow side, you, you've got a release coming up for you soon. That's correct, yeah. So from Flow Software, we are in a current release cycle, just finalizing some QA, last QA and uh, testing. Uh, so yeah, watch the space next week or so. We'll be off with a brand new release. Uh, again, the whole notion of, you know, turning data into information, we've included some some functionality around raw data transformations um, that we can clean the data much more efficiently and there's a few few nice features around that uh, before we turn it into information. So, yep, watch watch the space um, from the flow side on that. Nice. Always excited about new releases and new release brings something new. Um, and then probably... Probably one of the next engagements, we will be at the Africa Automation Fair. Uh, we are exhibiting, we, we're super excited to be exhibiting with um, our friends at Stratus Technologies. So we will be at the Africa Automation Fair from Tuesday night to Thursday, the 11th of May, uh, stand 504. So if you're going to be at the Africa Automation Fair where you, you're looking at being there, please pop in and say hello. We'd love to chat and, and meet face to face. That will be our next engagement. But otherwise, thank you very much for listening. 
As always, if you guys got any topics or persons or people that we need to or would like to interview, uh, please let us know at podcast at element8.co.cn. Fantastic. Thank you for listening and we will chat soon, everyone. Cool. Cheers, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you.